0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit RCCJax.com.
1: We have a, uh, a guest speaker today because I, nor Tom, wanted to preach on New Year's. Like, the first, I had a wedding last night, and Tom, well, he was just doing what you do on New Year's in an inappropriate way. All right, so... I'm just, I was with him, I know. I was pastoring and shepherding him through it last night. And uh, it was a fun journey. But um, needless to say, in our wisdom, the leadership has decided, if we're ever going to have a church on New Year's Day, that we're going to have a guest speaker and make them stay home and study on the night before church. But um, this is somebody that... uh, is so unique, is very gifted as a speaker, as a leader, a woman in our community that speaks in public schools about safe sex, not safe sex, but about, you know, (laughs) what? sex in appropriate ways you know for high schoolers but she brings the gospel well I'm trying to say she brings the gospel into places where that's you know very dark and people aren't talking about it but she's also involved with kit and dance for joy here she and her husband uh, lead a ministry called ignition point Point. she's spoken all over the world they have her husband is actually a Brazilian rock star I've been told that uh, and when he shows up in Brazil people in, in the airports mistake him as a Brazilian or as a rock star and and, and swarm him they have two boys um, that are six and three, and uh, we are very, very thankful uh, that she is going to come share with us this morning. Courtney Bowser, why don't you come on up here before I say something else wrong?
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the only accurate part of Antley's introduction was that we have a six-year-old and a (laughs) three-year-old. I'm just teasing Antley. He is a Brazilian rock star and and so he's going, no, no. So I'm Courtney Bowser and it is my absolute pleasure to be here with you this morning. This is my first opportunity to speak at River City Church. I feel kind of like I'm sort of a part of this church because I'm friends with a lot of people here. The Rossis are some of our lifelong dearest friends and uh, through them uh, we have a lot of friendly faces in the crowd. So thank you. Thank you for having us this morning and I'm glad that I was the one who had to behave last night to get up this morning and and speak. Um, Before I begin, I just want to pray and just ask the Lord to, to have his way with us this morning. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, God, for your life, for your love, Lord. But, God, I'm more aware than anyone that no one in this room really needs to hear me speak, Father. They need you, Jesus, and we need you. I need you. So, Holy Spirit, we just... Stop right now, God, not to do anything on autopilot or out of our own ability, God. But just to listen for your voice, Lord, and what you want to do here this morning in our hearts. If we're going to be up (laughs) and at church on New Year's Day, God, make the most of it. Change us, mold us, shape us, Father. Speak to us the way that only you can, Lord, because none of us have arrived, God. We're wanting to be made more like you so that we can fulfill your purposes in the earth. But more than anything, God, we want you. You are our prize. (laughs) You are our inheritance, God. So we set our eyes on you this morning, Jesus. Father, Holy Spirit, speak to us. And have your way in our hearts, God. Let us leave here change, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the other day I was praying because when Antley first asked me to do this, I thought, oh, perfect. New Year's Day, I'll speak on vision and purpose and God's plan and purposes through our lives. And it's something that I love to speak on and I've spoken on a lot. And I thought, great, you know, we can do this. And so I went and I went and sat on my couch last week because Antley had asked me for an outline and I almost never do an outline. I usually just write it in my journal. So I was like, I better, you know, sit down and send something to him. And so I sat down and I started praying, and immediately I felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit, like, "Mm mm-mm. And I was like, okay, Lord, sorry. What would you like? What would you like to do on New Year's Day? And immediately I saw this picture in my head, and I felt like it was a vision for this church, and a vision for us individually as believers and followers of Christ. And I saw it was almost like a medieval castle, and there was a big wall around the town, like, like what I would picture an old medieval town, sort of what comes to mind when I picture the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding the temple and they're rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, and, and all the people were working very hard. Each one was in their role, and I felt like there was a part of it that was very prophetic for this church, and I kept thinking about Ezra and Nehemiah and the way that God moved the hearts of kings on behalf of Ezra and Nehemiah to make a way where there seemed to be no way, to provide Provision. And I know that there have already been major people, Antley and Laura, that have come to, to help support this church, but I believe that there are new things in 2012 that God is going to be bringing to bring the favor and the provision like Ezra and Nehemiah experienced in the Old Testament, where people like kings, where they said no. People that were not even part of the body of Christ. They were not Jews. King Cyrus was not even a Jew. He was not even considered a chosen one. But yet God chose him to make a way for the Jews. And God is going to be sending those types of people to this church. And and hopefully in the process they'll find Jesus. But people that will come and, and make a way for the vision and the purpose and the plan of God. But... This is what I saw in the vision as everyone was working side by side, the men and the women alike. That's one of the things I love about Nehemiah is the men and the women were side by side. The women had their swords ready to fight the same moment that the men would have to if it was necessary. And as they were working side by side in this vision and all was doing their purpose and their job, suddenly it seemed like the batteries started to die. And I'm watching this in my mind. Like I always call it the movie in my head. You know, I feel like I have a constant movie in my head. that can be good and bad at times and I'm watching this going on in my head and it was like they just slowly 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 stopped and I was like Lord what is that and immediately I heard Galatians 6 9 do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not I said okay Jesus but how As people that I know I know the vision of this church is great I know many of you that head up many of the different outreaches and and outside of just RCC as we fulfill the plans and the purposes of God in the kingdom of the earth my husband and I have the absolute privilege to travel the nations of the world so we get to see what God is doing in the church at large in the body of Christ at large and he is doing big things in the kingdom of God in the earth and it is a time where like no other he is raising up mighty men and women of God to fulfill their plans and the purpose, but there are men and women of God that are faceless and they're nameless and they're willing to march and rank in rank and order and simply say, My life is not my own, God. I want to pursue your plan and your purpose. And as they do that, then God begins to move and to breathe on their behalf. And so as these people were, were doing this, there's a there's a, a place where we begin to grow weary if we lose our foundation. There's a place where we begin to faint if we forget what our prize is, if we forget what it is that we're actually working toward. And that's what I feel like the Lord wants me to speak on this morning. So as I asked him, well, God, how do we not grow, grow weary? How do we not faint? How do we not lose our passion and our zeal? And immediately I was taken to revelation chapter two. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If not, I think they're going to put it up on the screen. But Revelation chapter 2, and you know, John in the book of Revelation, he's been, he's been isolated on the island of Patmos and he's having this huge vision and, and Jesus in a whole different state comes and appears to him and begins to speak to him these messages of the church. And the very first message that he gives is to the church at Ephesus. And, you know, I don't think anything is without reason. I think it all happens for a purpose in the Bible. And so I think it is for a reason that this is the first message that Jesus delivered for John. And it's going to the church that Paul established in Ephesians, a church that many decades prior was a very powerful, powerful church. But now here you see John as an old, old man, and he's receiving this word directly from Jesus. And this is what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lamp stands. I'm not going to explain any of that right now because we don't have time. We'll get to that another day. <laughs> I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary yet. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I remember the first time that I had to have the experience of God saying to me that I had left my first love. I had a radical conversion to Christ. When I was 18 years old, I I was basically manipulated into going to church by my mother. I did not grow up as a teenager following Jesus. I did anything and everything and all sorts of things that I wanted as a teenager and bore the scars because of it. And then when I was 18 years old, my mother was just harassing me about going to this service. And so I went with her and I walked into that place and I felt the tangible love, not religion, Not play in church, not any of that. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I felt the tangible love and presence of God. And I didn't understand everything that was going on in that room. And I thought half those people were pretty strange, to be honest, in that moment. But I knew that I had never in my life felt the reality of God like I did in that moment. And I knew in one night my entire life was going to change. I was supposed to be moving to New York City to dance and to act. And I knew that if I left... That I was going to lose something and I would never be able to get it back the same way. And so in that night I said, okay, Jesus, it's all or nothing. I canceled everything. I canceled every plan. And I just, it was this love affair with God. It was waking up in the morning thinking about him. It was going to bed at night thinking about him. It was pursuing him the way he had pursued me. I want to know you more. I want to know more about you. What do you like? What do you not like? Teach me out of your word. Teach me who you want me to be and what you imagined before I was even born. It was this magnificent, beautiful thing. And then as time began to pass and God spoke this vision to me about starting this art school. So at 19 years old, I started this art school and many of you know about it. It was called Shoshana Arts. And it was a massive miracle. And one day when I speak on vision, I'll speak on that. But in that moment, as things were exploding and the years were passing and I was juggling and spinning the plates and doing the ministry and doing the ministry and doing the ministry for God. And then one day it was 2004, right? We talked to Kit and I were trying to figure out the date of this. It was 2004, I believe, because I hadn't had my first son yet. And I was walking in my house. I can tell you almost where I was in my house. And I was praying. I was having my prayer time because I was supposed to have my prayer time, right? Check. Check it off my list. Got to have my prayer time today because I'm a good Christian girl. So I'm going to have my prayer time. And I was pacing like I do when I pray. I, I don't stand still well ever. And so I was pacing, pacing, paying, and I'm praying and I'm praying. Oh, Jesus, help these outreaches that we're doing and let us reach the lost. All good things, right? I'm praying all good things. And then all of a sudden I come into this one part of my house and tell you right where I was. I don't know. I don't know in the spirit realm what was happening. I don't know if there was like a big angel standing there. My eyes were not opened in, in the spirit to see what it was. But I know in that moment, all of a sudden, I felt him. I felt his love. I felt his tangible presence. Not the God of the universe. Not the God in scripture. The God that's me and Jesus. That's us, personal. My first love the one I met that night that I said, I will give up every dream I ever had for you for that love. And I remember I felt him like that. almost like Courtney, it's you I'm after. I'm not after all the good things that you can do for me though. You're going to do those things, but it's you that I want. I want you. I would give up all of it for you because I didn't die for your nice little ministry. I died for you. And I remember I just fell on my knees instantly. I just fell on my knees. And I was like, Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that in my busyness, I have forsaken us. And this is where I'm asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes this morning. Because it can get confusing to think, well, she was praying. She was doing ministry. She was doing all these good things. Yeah. So was the church in Ephesus, right? He commended them for the many good things they were doing, but they had lost their first love. They had lost that original passion and that zeal that is what sustains us. That is why I believe that God set that first in his words of correction to the churches. It's the first one he spoke because he knew without it. He said in that moment that they had not yet grown weary. But I believe in his mercy, he was coming to them because he knew that if this was not fixed, if they did not come back to their first love, if they did not realize that he has to be their absolute and total source from beginning until end, that they would grow weary because we can only do so much in our own strength. We are human. We are limited by our human nature but in the intimacy of that relationship with you when Jesus stood and hung on that cross and it says that for the joy he held before him what Antley read this morning in Hebrews for the joy that he held before him the joy that he held before him was not River City Church or Shoshana Arts Ministries the joy that he held before him was your face it was you and he wants to fulfill his plans and his purposes through our lives but not and forsaking us. And so he's calling us this morning. Come back to that place if you have left it. I know for me, I could do this about once a month. Because I am a like visionary, busy, juggle the plates, do it, get it done kind of girl. And so I could easily be doing, 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 praying, 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 praying. praying but not just being. Not just being with him. Just to be with him, like I'm with my husband, not because I need him to do these things for me. Jeremy, please take out the trash. Jeremy, please help me with the children. Jeremy, please do this. Jeremy, please do that. Jeremy, please do this. And Jeremy's going, to Court, just be with me. Find out the things that I like, and, and, and let's be together, and let's love each other. What a beautiful thing that the God of the universe wants to have that relationship with us. What is that? I'm telling you that I get a little excited about Jesus, especially in worship. And, and when we're singing that song, when they were saying this morning, I found a love greater than life itself. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin and worship because I'm like, yes. And it's amazing. It's a miracle to think that this God, the God that you can stand on some mountaintop and, and see beauty that your mind can't even imagine that that God loves you personally and individually and wants that more than anything else, wants that relationship more than anything else. And then he says, and out of that relationship, I can do great and mighty things through your life and possible things can become possible through your life. But it only works from that place. It only works from that place of intimacy with him. In Song of Solomon, chapter eight, Song of Solomon is a, is a fun book. It's basically a love poem. But if you study it, and and symbolically what it represents is our relationship with Christ, right? We're the beloved, and he's the lover. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, the the beloved, the bride, she's been on quite a journey. We don't have time to get into all that today. But this is her final description. And she's talking about the love between him, her, and her lover, or us and Christ, right? And and she says, starting in chapter 8, verse 6, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And we hear this read at weddings a lot. It's like sweet, lovey wedding. But... If you study out what the word love there means, and I don't speak Greek very well, but it means, I mean, Hebrew, but it's "ahaba." That's my best shot at it. It Not only is the love between a man and a woman, but it's God's love for his people. So if we go back and we'll reread it like that. For God's love for Courtney is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Think about that. God, God is jealous over you. You individually, you, your name, you, he is jealous over you. He wants you. He wants your time. He wants your energy, not just doing for him, being with him, seeking him all throughout the Bible. Seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me, seek me over and over and over again because he's jealous over you because he created the mere idea of you and he wants to be with you because he knows in that place, the supernatural occurs. That love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench God's love for me. Rivers cannot wash it away. It is unquenchable. The thing about God and the thing about this Christian faith that I have found is it is not a, a lukewarm, milk toast, easygoing sort of faith. It's a you-want-it-all-or-nothing kind of relationship with Jesus. It is extremely extreme, and that is what makes it unbelievable. That is what makes it fascinating. That is what makes it all-powerful and supernatural and life-changing. My husband wrote a song one time that, honestly, the first time I heard it, it, it sort of rocked me. It sort of destroyed me in, in some ways. And the, the opening of the song, the name of the song is You Want It All. And the opening of the song goes like this. To think you are pleased with just a piece... A painless offering meant to appease you, God. Not just a portion, but the entirety. What you are asking for will cost me everything. You want it all. He wants all of us. Why? Because he knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. But so often we stop right there, don't we? God knows the plans he has for me. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me, To give me hope in a future. But then he goes on. We haven't finished the thought of what God is saying there. Verse 12, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. You know, in the beginning, when I was first speaking, I was talking about around the world, how God is raising up these mighty men and women of God of all ages that are doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. And I remember being in, um, this goes on the internet, right? This goes on the internet. I won't say where I was. I was in another country and I had an opportunity to meet two different types of people. One of them were, were two girls that are from a country in the middle East And I was face to face with them. I got to spend time with them. Both of them at one time were in prison to be beheaded because they had given their lives to Christ and they refused to to revoke it. I know this. This is not some fancy story. I sat and talked to them face to face. And I can't tell you the details of their life because they're still in danger every day of their life. But God moves supernaturally. Those two girls, they did not find Jesus from some other person coming and speaking to them. They found Jesus from the Holy Spirit himself drawing them as they read the Quran, drawing them to him. And they, young, young girls, these girls are not established in the faith. They haven't been walking in ministry for years. Young girls that were captured and said, you change it now or you're dead. And they said, then cut off our heads. And I got to talk to them after God supernaturally delivered them from the prison, and they were flown by a private jet to another nation where they're in hiding, where I happened to come across, up across them. It was one of the most treasured gifts of my life to spend days with these girls and listen to their stories and stand there and go, Jesus, what are we doing? What are we doing? There are people dying in this other country that I was in. I had the gift of meeting people that if they are caught doing what they are doing, they will be shot and executed instantly. Young people. Why am I telling you this? Happy New Year. Woo. No. No. Because, because I want to stir you up in what God has for us. I want to draw a line in the sand between the things that matter and the things that don't. Because if we're going to have an impact in 2012, if we're going to see his kingdom come on earth, and we're going to seek first his kingdom, if we're going to do that, we've got to start to cut away the fat. Is it Aaron? Aaron here this morning? Aaron had this vision when we were in prayer that God was cutting away the fat. We have to decide what matters. And as we go into 2012, we will be impacted howard if we understand what he sees because his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts and if he doesn't draw us near to him in that intimacy of that relationship then we will always be limited to how we can see how we can understand how we can figure it out and we will only be able to operate in this earthly realm and that can be good and that can be great and there are some very smart people tom rossi in this room but tom rossi will still be limited by his own human brain i love you tom <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? If we don't want to be limited to our own ability and understanding, then we have to be in that relationship with him. Because it is as we grow close to him that we become more like him. And as the Holy Spirit begins to change us and transform us into his image, then the mystery of the gospel. Colossians, one of my favorite scriptures, the mystery of the gospel takes place. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Do you know that we cannot love the way in the agape manner that God wants us to love without the Holy Spirit? spirit. It is impossible, which is why he sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it is better for us that he would go, that Jesus himself not be here walking alongside us. Why? It seems like it would be fantastic to have Jesus walking alongside us. No, because we need his spirit in us. Him next to us would only be good for a certain period of time, which is why when he left, he said, it is better for me to go because I am sending another and that other can live in you. Christ in you, the hope of of glory. And then the power and the supernatural and the love that we cannot manufacture for others can flow through us because he lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I believe that God has a message like this for me this morning and for all of us this morning because he has things for us to do in 2012. And we can either do them in, in this level and they'll still be good And he'll still minister to people because he has abundant grace and he loves to reach his people, but he's calling us closer. He's like, if you come closer, there's more, there is more, and it won't come out of your ability because where you are weak, then I can come in and be strong. So boast all the more in your weakness and your failure and your inability because then he can come in like a mighty rushing wind as you pursue that passionate relationship with him. And then he begins to flow through you out of your belly. He said in John four will flow rivers of living waters. It is between us and him. And then from him through us to others, our ministry is called ignition point ministries. And we, the ignition point is the place where fire can sustain itself without the additional application of heat And we believe in the spirit realm. That place happens when passion, passion between us and him meets purpose. Our purpose of fulfilling his plan on the earth where there's a fire that takes place inside of us out of that passionate relationship that enables us to run the race that enables us to press on toward the mark of the high calling that enables us to stand and say, yes, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that have drawn a line in the sand right now, today in other countries, some of which I got an email the other day were shot because some of the things that are happening over in Asia and they were found doing what they were doing. They have drawn a line in the sand. We live in a country where you are most likely not going to be shot for proclaiming Jesus Christ. So let us rise up and do something with that freedom. Let us rise up in 2012 and do something with the power that we have here in America to be able to have that intimacy with Christ freely and openly. So let's take it and run with it. Let's take it and run with it the way that people would if they had that freedom in other countries, because they're risking their lives for it. And they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. God has big things for us this year. I know it in my heart. But He's going to want all of us. It's not going to be a little bit our way and a little bit His way. He wants it all. He's not appeased with our nice little prayer. He wasn't entertained by me squeezing Him into my schedule as I pursued and pursued and pursued the ministry. And that day I fell on my face and I repented to the Lord. I stood in my house and I said, I'm sorry, Jesus. The very vision you gave me became my God. The very vision he gave me became my God. It consumed more of me than he did. It consumed more of my time, more of my energy, more of my thought than he did. And instead of Isaiah 26, 3, keeping my eyes on him, so that I could have perfect peace. I was doing, 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 doing busy, busy, busy little Martha. And there is a time for doing and busyness, but it's a whole different ball game. When you felt that busyness that flows out of that peaceful, intimate relationship with him, and you felt that busyness out of you just doing and doing and doing, there's a big difference. So let our ministry be empowered this year. Let us do things that we've never done before. Let us step out in faith and in risk like we never have before. Let us touch lives in ways that we could only dream about last year. Let God do those things through us this year. But let it come from that place of intimacy with him. Where he is our first love. He is everything. And I'm going to close with this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Because I love the story of David's life. Because David was the man. like In every possible way, David was the man. He was a worshiper. He was a musician. He was a warrior, a really good warrior. He was a king. He was prophetic. I'm really quick because I have the time. And the Lord brought me back to a word that he gave me for someone in worship. And I don't know who it is. But I was standing down there in worship. And I was worshiping the way that I do. And I I feel like there's someone in this room that you you. You're afraid to just to just worship him the way you wanna worship him. If you're afraid of what people might think, if you look a little too passionate, a little too excited, what, God forbid you might jump up and down a little bit or something. And it was it was one person that was really struggling with that in worship this morning, and I immediately remembered a time, and I want to encourage you with this, whoever you are, a time. Oh, Jeremy will remember this. I had preached a message. I I stopped a long time ago trying to preach the way other people do. I'm not calm. I tried very hard for a long time to be calm, and it doesn't work. So I'm just going to be me, and be okay that I'm the only me, and so other people can be them, right? And so I was really kind of struggling with that at this time, and this man came up to me and jeremy after a service and i had preached and this man came up to me and jeremy and he said put his arm and patted me on the shoulder and he said she just really needs to chill out a bit doesn't she you need to bring her down a notch or two don't you and immediately instantly i feel like in my head it was felt like the holy spirit yelling in my head david i will be even more vile than this So whoever you were that were struggling in in this morning, David was a man and he pursued passionate worship for God so much that he danced his stinking clothes off and Michael, his wife, was sitting up in the tower going, "Ah, look at you, you're a king, you're a prophet, you are the leader of this land, look at you acting like a fool and he got right up in her face and he said, I will be even more vile than this because he is worth it. He is worthy. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me because I know what he's done for me. I have lived it. I have seen it every day. And if I have to stand there and act like an idiot, so whoever you are, if that's what you feel in your heart to worship him, you worship him that way. Act like a fool. Who cares? Who cares? Amen? Amen. So I I will not chill out. And Jeremy squeezed my hand. He's like, don't listen. Don't listen. (laughs) So back to my closing scripture. I'm going to be right on time. David, Psalm 27 verse 4, and I didn't give this to Tim, I apologize. This was David's one pursuit out of everything that God did through that man's life. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek. This is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Jesus, oh God, we love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you never let us get too far off track before you just come in and you grab us in your arms. You turn our faces towards you. You remind us what matters. Draw the line in the sand this morning in our lives. Cut away the fat. God begin right now, father, to begin to reveal the things that we've cared about. God, the things that we've gotten caught up in using our time and our energy toward that don't even really matter. God change our perspective. Father, help us to see the way that you see Jesus. Draw us close to you again, father. Thank you that you always, always, always grab hold of us. Father, you've been so faithful, like Anton said, to pursue us, God. Let us be faithful to pursue you back, Jesus. To pursue you back because you're worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy, God. Father, we surrender, God. We repent, Father. If there are things that have become idols in our lives and we haven't even realized it, bring it to the forefront of our mind right now, God, only the way that you can. Clean us, purify us, purge us, whatever, Father, so that we can be closer to you, that we can be more like you, that we can know you more. And then, Father, do what you want to do through us, but let it be birthed through your power and not our own, your strength and not our own. Your plans and not our good ideas, God. And let it be life-altering, God. Let it be world-changing like the apostles that lived. Such a handful of people that we still read about thousands of years later because they walked in your power and they lived in intimacy with you because they would die otherwise, God. You were their source and their strength. Bring us to that place, Father. Bring us to that place that we cannot live comfortably, Jesus. That we cannot live comfortably, God. But that we live and total pursuit of you, and that we see your will done, your plans, and your purposes fulfilled in mighty ways through our lives, God. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray.